discuss season two of the Be Contagious Leadership Experience. I know all of you are saying, H, where have you been? Well, I've been here, but I haven't. I haven't recorded in about almost a year and a half, so I must apologize. But we've been getting out tons and tons of content, which I cannot appreciate all of you for taking it all in and being a part of the Be Contagious movement. Listen, we are bringing season two bigger and better and badder than ever. We've got great guests, thought leaders, authors, coaches, etc. that you are going to love all of them. And it's only going to feed your soul so that you can go ahead and be contagious for other people. Today's guest, starting off season two, is Andrew Ramirez, a author, entrepreneur, just a regular badass on the Be Contagious Leadership Experience, and I know you will love it. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Be Contagious Leadership Experience. Today, we've got a very special treat. We have author, entrepreneur, connoisseur of life, Andrew Ramirez, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, brother. How are you doing today? I am doing all right. Now, little people don't know that like, we actually went to high school together. Yeah, we did. And as you can tell, we have two different hairstyles. He has hair and I, I don't. Well, I have hair on my head, but not <laughs> on my chin. <laughs> well, I have to overcompensate. So yeah. I got <laughs> to do. Now, I, I wanted to bring, uh, bring Andrew on because I think that you've got a great story from um, what you've built. You know, you're an author, but you spent, what, over 20 years uh, in the quote-unquote real world or yeah, work life. Yeah. Um, but let's first dive into the book first. It's a, it's a children's book with the great message. Yeah, so the children's book is called Rise Beyond. It's based partially based on a true story about my great nephew. That's how old I am now. That's the wisdom of age speaking <laughs> through me, right? Uh, it's, it's a book about always believing in yourself and your dreams. And the book started when my great nephew was being bullied at school. Okay. And he had a dream. And long story short, the bullies caused him to lose faith in his dream. And so the story is really about the journey of overcoming the mental challenges, the emotional challenges, the personal challenges of refinding the vigor of achieving his dream and ultimately landing on the moon. So I, and now, and that's one of the reasons why I want to bring you on. I mean, first of all, the, the story alone is really captures, I think, human life, right? Our everyday Absolutely. life. Losing faith, losing hope, bouncing back, all, all of those things. You spent over 20 years in the corporate world. You went on, on your own. You wrote a book. Talk about um, those fears, those trials, um, and how you yourself are rising above everything. Yeah, so <laughs> 22 years, right? 22 years <laughs> in corporate America. I started at 20 years old. And so the challenge was to leave behind, when you talk about belief and you talk about believing in yourself, the challenge was to really believe that I had something important enough to say, something important enough to quote unquote sell that people would believe in. So that's why the story is really about believing in yourself. And so I actually made the decision back in 2007 to leave the corporate world. Back then I had 11 years in the corporate world and it took me 10 years. <laughs> 10 years from that point to right. work up the nerve to actually leave, right? And I actually, I had a quote-unquote retirement party back in 2007 because I was so set on leaving. And in the final hour, I ended up staying, yeah. right? And that's what happens to most people is we, we make a decision and then we hold back from that decision because of the fears and the doubts. So the 10 years that it took me to make that decision was a lot about introspection and understanding who I was, the message that I have, the power of my story, the power of the mistakes 
that I made and knowing that whatever it is that I had to share with the world was going to be received and actually was powerful enough where it could be consumed in a, in a way where, one, people would want to pay for it, and two, it would change lives. Right. Power of mistakes, I think that is so important. You know, in, in the coaching world, um, we, we tell our players, we tell our employees that you got to make those mistakes. But the reality is we're not really raised that way, especially in right. today's day and age. You're, 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 you're praised a lot. You're told how great you are, which is, which is great. But now we don't learn how to fail. Um, how, like, what has that done in your life, that power of failing, that power of fear, and then how have you applied to it and then gone through it? Yeah, so feel it, fear and failure are, are huge. If you just, just think back for a moment, especially you, those of you who are listening, the way you're conditioned, right? And, and I don't want to harp on parents because I've harped on my parents long <laughs> enough, right? But just take it back to like first or second grade. Right. And you take your first quiz, right? And you get the piece of paper back. What's on the paper? It's great. It's a grade. Yeah. What color is the grade in? Probably red. And what did they actually mark? Uh, the mistakes. They marked your mistakes. Yeah. So from a young age, we're conditioned to look at our mistakes, mm. right? So what I had to learn to do was reverse that paradigm and say, how can I look back at those mistakes and learn from them so that I can actually see some of the successes I had? Because I guarantee you, if you look back at any of your successes, you're going to find that you first went through failure. Mm. And before you went through the failure, you had to go through the fear, right? And so what I did was I reversed engineered this whole concept of checkmarking papers. Right. And I said, what are the things that I've actually done right in my life? How has fear and failure fueled that? And what was the byproduct? So my entire 22-year career was a career of fear and failure that ended up in a success. So I said, if I could do that in the corporate world, I could do that on my own. I, I mean, so that, that's basically the answer, <laughs> reverse engineering it. So you use it as a power instead of a crutch. Right. The, now, the, the other part of that is how, how do you, how do the people you work with, um, how do they overcome the outside voices, right? I think a lot of our uh, failures or our mistakes come from the judging yep. and the worry of what other people are saying. It's huge. This is something that I'm challenged with every single day, right? So I've overcome it and I haven't overcome it because it's a constant thing. It's like I don't stop breathing air because if I do, I die. That's kind of how this will mm. exist. People will always want to knock you down. And so to answer your question, the way you overcome the external voices, you ready for this? Is <laughs> Show you ready? Shit. You ready? Here we go. Is you have to overcome the internal voices first. Okay. Okay. One more time. So in order to come overcome the external voices, right. you have to overcome the internal voices. It's what we tell ourselves. It's what right. we tell ourselves. We are our worst enemies. If you, t if you take a minute just to stop at any point in any given day to figure out what's running up in your head, you will see that you are berating yourself constantly. I'm too fat. I'm not happy. My relationship. Like you just a, a constant nonstop conversation of you're not good enough. And it's, it's not 
this is something that I've experienced, but when I work with people and talk to people, I find that. And that's because of outside judgment. Right. So you learn that just like those, those red X's on the, on the paper, right? You learn to look for the mistakes. And so those mistakes start becoming the habitual voices in your mind. So once you recognize those consciously, you can start to journal. I, I encourage people to journal all the time. What are the voices telling you? Like my, my one dominant voice was you are not good enough. Mm. And that, yeah. that stemmed from a, a, a faulty belief of I cannot satisfy anything that my father wants. Right. So when we were in high school together, I got a 3.0. Good job, son. You can do better. Right. I got a 3.2. Good job, son. You can do better. <laughs> I got a 3.5. Good job, son. You can do better. And that kind of stemmed in every area of my life. When I was in corporate career, hey, dad, I got promotion. Good job. You can do better. Right. You know? And, and so... What I internalized that as was, I'm not good enough for my father. There's nothing I can ever do to satisfy my father. And a lot of the issues that I found were like daddy issues. Yeah. And a lot of people have the same thing. So when you start to internalize that voice, what is that internal voice actually saying? Mine was, you're not good enough. Right. It was a faulty belief. So once I, I brought that to the surface, recognized what it was, saw the power that it had over me, I said, wait a minute, I need to change this one thing. And if I can change this one thing, then everything else from this point forward will be powerful, will be coming from my genuine self, and I will not have to satisfy anybody else except myself. You know, that, that trap you're, you're talking about is so difficult to get over, right? They've got to go over that one, that, that hurdle of many ways of what will um, my parents think, my friends think. And the other part is that us ourselves as adults, as coaches, as parents, we almost do the same thing because we say, hey, I want something better for you yeah. than what was for me. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you, great job, but I know you can do better. And sometimes it comes from a great place, yeah. but that great place puts us in a dark place as well too. So here's one of the biggest pits that I uncovered in my, in my journey. And I've, I've been doing self-discovery for years because I want to find what makes Andrew tick, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things I found that was based on that faulty belief that I'm not good enough is that my entire world, you know, you talk about uh, how do you overcome the external voices? My entire life, corporate career, everything that I ever did, every goal that I set, every target that I tried to hit, every promotion that I wanted to get, everything that I ever did was to satisfy others. Mm. And so what ended up happening was I learned very quickly, even back in high school, let me learn the syllabus. And, and I use syllabus as a metaphor, if you were, for life. Like, let me, let me find out what people want. Right. Let me give it to them and a little bit more right, to right, appease right. them. Right. Right. And it worked. Uh, when I went from 3.0 to 3.5, it was just a little bit of matter of, of just changing a little bit more of figuring out what the teacher wanted. And, and then it, it got what my dad wanted a little bit more. And so, so my whole life started to revolve around this quote-unquote hack that in the long run ended up turning against me mm. because I found myself in life living a good life in a good career with a good, you know, title, but everything that you would define. I had, it used to be a white picket fence if you're, we're in my house here, <laughs> but they're now gray, but it used to be a white picket fence, right? <laughs> the home, the kids, the, it was good, 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 good. But then I realized at a certain point that everything, every mark, every mark that I had set was somebody else's. Mm. And then a little bit more just so they could stay off my... Can I cuss? Absolutely. Yeah, so they could stay off my ass, if you There will. you go. Let it go, Andrew. Let and it then go. when I got to a place where I, 
I realized that I was unfulfilled and unhappy and empty, I had to dig in to understand why. And again, long story short, it was because I was setting my life's goals to other people's expectations right. for me. And so I left all this potential on the table that I never accessed. That was the hole that mm -hmm. I was missing. Yeah. The, I always try to take, you know, what you're saying in, in, in a coaching world. We have a lot of listeners who are coaches, uh, sports coaches, but also life coaches as well, too. You know, so we're, we're, we're dealing with a lot of people as they grow older, they have to go ahead and hit a, a, a certain benchmark based on what was given to them. Yeah. You know, like you're, you had to have a 3.5, I had a 2.3. You can only imagine what my dad said to me with no. my GPA. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, so like when, as, as you go through this journey, like, did you know that you were hitting, you know, the low point? Were you noticing? Were you aware that you were there and what you needed to do? Or was that part of that process, that journey where it took some time for you to be like, oh, shit, I, I do have to find my why. Oh, shit, I, I am at the bottom. What's next? Yeah, so, so what I didn't realize, I knew what I was doing, okay? I was appeasing others so they could leave me the hell alone, mm. right? So just get off my back. Here's what you want. Boom, right? But... But it, it, it took the sense of emptiness for me to realize that I was just scraping the bottom, right? So when we're talking about, you know, coaching or personal, whether it's personal or, or, or sports, mm -hmm. I think each individual has to recognize where they are, how they got there, and if they're actually giving it all that they have, or if they're setting it up against somebody else's expectations, whether it be the right. coach or not, right? Right. But at, at how long does it take you to get to that, to that fact, to, the, to that truth of yourself where, gosh, am I really doing this for, for me? Am, am I really? I mean, it was the same thing, you know, with uh, we talked earlier. You know, my son's a, a, a phenomenal swimmer. Yeah. Great job, yeah. Preston. But yeah, buddy. Like a sum of it, and he may disagree or agree, I don't know, is that I think he became tremendous because... Uh, his mother and I got divorced, yeah. so that became his reason. Yeah. He had to feel that type of hurt to get to where he is. Now, that may be right or wrong. I don't know, but th for some people, that's the way they get there. So I think the answer for me is how long? Uh, it took like 40 years, bro. <laughs> it, it really it took 40 years, and it yeah. but, but, but here's the good thing. It doesn't have to, right? right? So in school, just like the check marks, you're taught something. So I'm going to fast forward. I'm, I'm also a time traveler. Oh, I forgot to turn yeah. off my phone. It's all right. All right. Let I'm also ring. a time traveler for, for those of you who don't know, right? <laughs> so what I, and I mean, people laugh, right? right? So let me ask you a question. If, if you had a time Good machine right here. Yeah. Are we good? Are we? No, you, we're, you, good. Okay. we're good. We're good. If you had a time machine, what would you do? I mean, go, go back in time. Is this a trick question? No. Just I go back in time. And do what? Wow. Just give me the one word that is going to start the sentence. Meet. Okay, so the word is change, <laughs> right? You would. I if, failed. If I, no, but if I if I dig deep enough, it would be because you want to change something. Yes, yes. Okay, so I've asked this question to like everybody I come across. I ask, what's the one? And most adults uh, will answer that they want to go back in time and change something. Yes. Okay. Now, if you yeah. ask kids. Kids, because they're innocent and beautiful and they have their whole future ahead. A lot of kids, when you ask kids, 
They want to go to the future. Uh, what am I going to be like? Right, right. What am I going to do? Who am I going to become? Right. So, you know, the whole tra- time traveling bit. So what, 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 one of the things that I do is I, I take the wisdom of the past, right? We did the wisdom piece. Yeah. And when I say wisdom, I don't mean that in a cocky way. I, wisdom, right? right. So, so I take the mistakes of the past. And then I, I take the hopes of the future. So like adult mistakes, kids, hopes of the future. And I meet people in the present to say, how can we overcome the mistakes that we either had or not make those mistakes again so the, so the future is brighter and we can actually realize those dreams. So that's what I mean by I'm a time traveler because I live in the past, present, and the future. Mm. And so the reason I bring that up is because if I go back in time, going back to the check mark that we talked about, there's, there's very basic questions that are asked. And this is how you're going to be able to traverse time a lot faster across that how do you get to your why thing, right? And so when you go to career day when you're in school, what's the question they ask you? Uh, what do you want to be when you're older? What, what, yeah. What, what do you want to do? What do you want to do when you grow up, right? So I've come across several phases of my life that helped me get to this question of why. So it's like, one, it's what do you want to become, right? And then you get the, the normal answers. I want to be a doctor and right. a lawyer and a right. fireman and a police officer, right? A scientist, right? So you get to this, what do I want to be? Then around probably your 20s, it's like, who do I want to be? Right. So then you start asking, who do I want to be? Not what do I want to be? Because you realize there's more to you. Mm -hmm. And then around 30, you go, well, that's not that good of a question anymore because I want to know who am I? Like, who am I? What makes me tick? Right. And then around 40, what ends up happening, you say you start to say, well, well, what am I? Right. And it's there's a whole different set of questions. Right. So it took me kind of like those four different decades to figure out that they were phases for me to get to this point. So when I got to this, what am I piece? Right. It goes back to the very first time we talked. It's like it's the St. Francis prayer. Right. I am a channel. Like make me a channel. I am a channel to do something, to be something for something. That's it. And so my job, my purpose, my life's purpose is to do something for others, for myself, so that they can do something, be something, have something. Mm. That's it, right? Mm. And so if you want to get to the point where you're living that, I mean, I think this stem because how do you get to that elite level of your why drives to where you want to go? You ask yourself the question, what am I, right? You don't ask what you want to be because what you want to be doesn't define you. Right. Being a corpie for 22 years defined me. And so after I left corporate career, I went into this deep depression and anxiety because I had lost my identity because. I, I was answering the question, what do I want to be when I grow up? But when I grew up, I still didn't know the answer, but I knew what I was. And by everybody else's definitions, I was successful except for my own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I said, there's got to be more. So when I got to this what piece, right. this what piece helped me identify that there was so much more power that I had inside of myself. There was so much power that uh, I, I had to give. And, and that was the ultimate that was the ultimate change for me. So the one thing that I guess, you know how you said Preston is fueled by maybe whatever it is that because of the divorce, I was fueled looking back because I asked the wrong questions in life. So I guess mm. the one thing I would say, and then I'll shut up so you can ask your next question <laughs> is, this is the good. quality of your life will be determined by the quality of questions that you ask. So... Ask yourself the questions you're asking. Look at the results of your life. And if they're not the ones that you like, start asking better, different questions. Man, there's a lot of stuff there. I want to go back <laughs> to, I mean, that really, I mean, that, that is, uh, it's like an explosion right now in my mind because I'm thinking of all these different things that you're saying and, and great hot topics with it. You talked about 
your time traveler. Yes. Past, baby. present, future. Absolutely. And I think that is extremely important because a lot of times people now are saying, hey, just just look forward. Yeah. Think of the future. Don't worry about what's behind you. Yeah. Don't look at the rear view mirror. But you, but you need that rear view mirror Absolutely. so that you can gauge. I think what happens, though, and what do you think about this, is that when they look in the rear view mirror, they allow the feelings to overwhelm themselves and say, wow, I really... I really messed up on that one. And then they get, get that low energy, and then they're not able to either get out of it or they stay in that level. Yeah, so I think a, a rear view mirror is a better analogy than walking backwards, mm. right? Or, or Because you're actually looking back. And I think you need, you need to look back, but the back doesn't have to hold you back. Okay? Yes, so yes. imagine a tunnel. Okay, we're here in, in uh, the beautiful beautiful city of La- well, we're actually in Alhambra, but you know we're in the we're we're really yeah. close to downtown Los Angeles, and there's a couple places where there's some really cool tunnels. One is on Cesar Chavez Boulevard, right before you get to the Alvera Street or uh, Alvera Street, and then there's a couple of them that are on the 110 freeway. You've been mm-hmm. through those? Yeah, yeah. Oh, those are yeah. Typically, when people walk through a tunnel, what do you do? You, well, I, I look to make sure I'm not going to get hit and a car isn't going to, like, screech off the road. Yeah, but um, what's, like, what, what are the, a habit? It's a, fun, it's a fun thing that people yell. already do. You, you, yell. You, you yell. You yell. And why do you yell? You want to, I mean, you want to hear your voice echo. You want to hear the echo. Yes. Okay, so here we're going, we're, going, we're going for it now. Okay, so now I want you to imagine yourself. If you're listening to us, maybe you can even close your eyes. Okay? Unless you're driving. Don't yeah, close okay, your eyes if course. you're driving. And imagine yourself on one side of the tunnel. And then you see through the tunnel, and then you see the other side of the tunnel, okay? Mm-hmm. In the tunnel is normally dark, right? right? Or darker, right? If they didn't have the lights, it would be dark. On the other side, what do you see? Light. You see the end of the you tunnel. You see light. Yep. You see light. So we always are searching for the light. Yes. Right? What is that one thing? What is my why? That's the light, right. bro. Right. right? Yet we're on this side of the tunnel, and you're always in the phase of a tunnel, in order to get to the other side, you have to travel through the tunnel. Mm-hmm. That's where all your fears and your failures are. And what you do is, when you're walking through, you yell. And why do you yell? Because you want to hear the echo of your voice, right? And the echo of your voice is yeah. the wisdom that allows you to propel through that. Right. So you know that all of the strength that you have today, everything that you are today is because of the mistakes that you made. And just like Preston, all of those doubts and fears and anger and regrets and whatever it is he feels is allowing to push through that, that tunnel mm. yep. because he knows if he could make it through that. If you could make it through that, if I could make it through living the life that I live, being unhappy and fat and an alcoholic and all, if I could make it through that, I could sure as hell make it through the fucking tunnel to get to the light, whatever the light is on the other side. And so we need that echo, okay? Don't run from it. Actually invoke it. Right. And then say, you don't have any power over me. The first question you asked me was, how do you stop the voices from the outside? You stop the voices from the inside by invoking them. Right. And if right. you use that mm. tunnel as the metaphor, the analogy, whatever the word is, then you can see that you have the strength and the power to make it to the end of the other side of the tunnel. I tell you what, I'm going to look at does a that, tunnel. No, does I, that even listen, answer your question? I, I, no, I'm no, sorry, I, like I, I love it. I, I love it. And, and I, so I want to stay in the tunnel. You know, stay go, with us. Stay, stay in the tunnel. And you talked about um, also sort of asking the right questions. Yes. Like, because we keep asking questions probably to, to, to give the narrative our own spin on how we, we do it. Are there ways or things that you have done where you have forced yourself to ask the right questions so you could 
think, feel, touch, whatever it is to get to those moments so you can keep moving forward through that tunnel? Yeah, so, so the questions, when, 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 you, when you're ready to make a life-changing pivot, are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, the questions that you have to ask are the most toughest questions you'll ever face. Mm. So I'll give, you, I'll give you one example. Ask me the question again, and so I make sure I give you the answer. So, I mean, the question is, like, how do you get to the point where you could ask yourself the real tough questions? Okay, how do you get, get to there? the yep. point? Okay, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm addressing that. So my wife and I, uh, I think you may have, you know this, and this is probably why you reached out a few years ago when you were having marital challenges. Yep. My wife and I went through a very difficult period of our relationship. We've been together for 20-some-odd years. We have five children. Our oldest is 25. Our youngest is five, okay? In our 20s. It was the most difficult period of our life because of the drinking and the fighting and the jealousy and the all. The, I'll save you all of it, but it was bad. There was a point in our life where the only thing that we loved about each other was hating each other. Mm. Okay, we walked around the house like passing through the hallways like ships in the night. Right, okay? and and I'm going to pose this to to everybody who's out there listening. Think about that for a second. They love the hate they felt for each other. Right. All right. So apply it to your life. Go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. Okay. So the only thing we loved about each other was hating each other. And so when I started to do this introspection of the voices, I started, just like I started journaling, Mm. what's going on in my head? Right. And I could see that the questions that I I was asking myself were based upon old, outdated, and I'm just going to say it, Catholic upbringing questions. Okay? So my wife, when I met her, had a a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Okay? And I've raised her, so she's like, I don't dis- uh, distinguish anything. Now, she's my daughter. I right. have raised her. Nobody else has raised her. Right. I have raised her. So that's my daughter. So when I say I have five daughters, I have five daughters. So that's my disclaimer there, okay? <laughs> so, but when I met her, she was already two and a half. And from my upbringing, I was supposed to be with a different kind of a woman, mm. okay? Mm-hmm. So I wasn't what society supposed- was talking about. Oh, yep, well, yep, and I'm talking yep. about church oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. religion and the way yep. I was raised. So I was living with a woman that I wasn't supposed to be with, and so I was asking myself on a daily basis, why am I with her? Why am I sustaining her? Uh. Why am I raising somebody else's kid? Why am I doing this? Why? And so I had to recognize that. And that led to all kinds of judgment and hate and anger that I, in psychological terms... What would you call it? Uh, projected on yes. her. Yes. But what I was actually doing was projecting on myself mm-hmm. for not living true to what I thought I was supposed to be. So I had to stop in that moment. And she knew where we were, and I knew where we were. And we had to sit down and we had to ask one simple question Do we want to be together anymore? That was the one question that changed it all. And we both said, undeniably, Yes. Right. And from that point on, all of the other questions followed. What, it is, what is it that I have to do, Andrew? What do I have to do? Who do I have to become? And what questions do I have to ask in order to make this relationship work? Mm, 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 what mm. do I need to let go of? Right. Was it the doctrine of 12 years of religious school yep. and being brought up in a Catholic high school and feeling the guilt and shame of running away from something, a gift that my parents had given me that they didn't intend it for this way. It just ended up that That's way. That's the way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, so am, am I kind of answering no, your No, no, you're, you're right on. I think you're hitting so, so many points so that people go through. So what it takes is it takes that absolute desire 
to get out of the situation that you are in right now that that you don't like or to to get out of the to improve the situation that you know can be improved wow again so much stuff we could do this for like eight hours the the desire you're talking about getting out right there's two ways that people usually um act upon when they're faced with hard questions a dilemma a challenge they either uh get quiet or, or they attack it further and either they, they run from it or run to it. Yes. Where did your desire come to not basically wake up, feel horrible, let those negative feelings bring you down? Say that again. I'll like how did, how did you overcome that desire? Now, that may be just you as a person. Yes. But we have listeners out there that they have the desire to get out of their situation yes. they're in. But... Their feelings, emotions are holding them down from taking the next step of their lives. Yeah, so, I mean, in simple terms, it, it takes balls. <laughs> it, it takes balls. And I, right. I'm talking to women, too. I'm talking yep. to men. I mean, it, it takes fucking balls. Yep. Because the worst place that you can be is indecision. Okay, mm. and that's why the word is called indecision. Right. Because you're indecision. So ask yourself, if you're listening and, and your question, Hernando's question said, yes, I want the answer. I want the answer. Please, can you give me some type of uh, answer so how I can get out of the situation? Well, you need to make a fucking decision. Right. <laughs> how do you get over it? You make a decision and right. you go. You go right. into the tunnel. You go into the tunnel and you yell. Right. And you let the echo come back and you're in the middle of the tunnel and you look on one end and you see that there's light at the end of the tunnel where you can have four more children and your relationship can be beautiful and your wife have the most beautiful relationship ever. And you can look back and you can see where you hate each other, you judge each other. The only thing you love about each other is hating each other. You pass each other like strangers in the night and you can say, I can stay in between this place and listen to the echo all day long. And live in purgatory, to use a Catholic term. Right. Okay. Or I can make the decision to walk that way to the light and do whatever it takes to make it happen. Or I can walk back and live in hell or just walk. And, and, and the light could be leaving. Right. right. I mean, you know that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But it, it's, it's the decision. And what does that take? That takes balls. That's it. Well, I... If I could drop my mic, I would right now, but it would make a really bad Yes, yeah, nothing sound. profound. It's not like, now, well, you know, you have to sit and meditate and ask right. for God for the answer. <laughs> and, you know, if you're asking God for the answer, that's the answer. Yeah. And he's going to tell you to decide. Like, that's why he gives the gift of decision. The fact that you're asking is the answer. Yeah. Yes. You, God's not going to... God's like looking back at you going, hey, asshole, you're asking me. That's your answer. Yeah. Do I stay or do I go? Yes. <laughs> Just make a decision. <laughs> Yes, just, and, and there are so many of us, so many people that are stuck in that purgatory, stuck in, in, in that decision-making process. Um, I'm digging deeper on this because it takes balls, yes. Yeah, yeah. It takes a decision. Where do you get the courage from to get it? Because, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of us aren't raised that way. Yeah. Right? We're, we're raised to play it safe. Um, so... So, yes, it's a decision. Yes, it takes balls. But where does the courage come from or has it come from in order for you to make that decision? Was it you were up against a wall, w loss? What was yeah. it? Yeah, so, so the, the, the answer is quite simple, and, and it's this. So uh, what we're talking about here is risk, mm -hmm. right? We're really talking about risk 
And if I go this way, what's going to happen? And if I go that way, I don't want to lose what I have, but what if I go this way and I don't gain what I have? So what I ended up having to do was I had to assess the risks and the courage came from the risks because take my corporate career, for example. It's a perfect one. I said, there's this empty feeling inside of me and I know it. And it's, it's, it's just, it's gouging me daily. Mm -hmm. It is a hole that I cannot fill anymore by going to this place and building somebody else's dream. But if I leave, I give up my family security, my benefits. I give up my friendships. I give up my career and my title and all these, I don't know, false things that I, I held on to for so long. And then I looked on this entrepreneurial road and I said, if I go this route, I get to do whatever I want, right. whenever I want, with whomever I want. Like I get to talk with Hernando on a podcast <laughs> I'm sorry. because I don't have to be in some corporate office right That's now. That's right. Okay. But along with that, so I got to write, I have like seven books, right? Rise Beyond was the, the last one. I have another one already in the works. It's for kids. I get to write books and get, share a message. And I get to speak to kids and talk and work with families on these very important issues that we're talking about right now. Right. But what comes with it? It comes with it the risk of loss. All the things that I was, had in corporate, I wouldn't have as an entrepreneur. But the decision, the courage came from looking forward hopefully 50 years from now, right. in my bed, ready to meet my maker, I had to ask my question, if I could go back in time to this one point, to this one decision, what, what would I do? Would I stay in a corporate career for the safety and the title and all the other things that that gave me and sacrifice this empty feeling that I have inside of me? Or do I risk all that I have in the corporate world and everything that it's given me, my education, my house, my, all that stuff, and risk living and being the person that I want to be, that I can be, that I know I can be. So for me, the risk wasn't at that point. The courage that came was because I wasn't risking material bullshit anymore. Mm. I was risking a feeling of becoming, of knowing who I was so that the day that I am ready to die, I could die in peace. I mean, right. like, like seriously, like yeah. time travel to the friggin' future. Like you want to talk about time traveling. I got there. Right. And I said, this is the person that you need to become. This is the pivot that you need to make. And then the courage was born from that. And the decision actually became easy. Right. Does that? Yeah. No, no. I, I think you hit some things on the risk part. I think the risk part also comes from, and again, how we were raised, uh, society pressures from retirement. You know, you watch the news, there's all negative stuff all the time yeah. about how we don't have enough this, don't have enough that. And I think it really takes the courage to actually do it. I think the other part is that once you make, you know, the courage to make the decision, right? I think people just take that sigh of relief. Oh, I made the decision, so now everything is going to be better. Yeah. Uh, you make it better, right? You make the decision, you're happy to make the decision. Now what's the next step from that decision so you can move forward and, and capitalize on what you want to do? Yeah. So that's, that's a great point because when I left a uh, few months later, probably I, I and, and this is going to tie back into the questions that you asked, right? The, the, the quality of life right. will be determined by the quality of questions that you ask. 
So I, I, I hooked up with a couple of old colleagues, my, one of my old uh, managers, my boss, friend of mine, cool person. And they're like super curious as to how my post-corporate life right. went. And the one question she asked was, she says, Andrew, was it the best financial decision you ever made? Was it the best <laughs> financial decision you ever made? Wow. And, and so, I, I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably obviously already know that this was not a right. financial decision. Right. This was actually the most uh, irrational, irresponsible, illogical thing I could have ever done. Right? right. Walk away from corporate America with a nice cushy pay, with a nice title to nothing. Right. Nothingness. And so in that moment, I just talking about the voices that come in and managing the voices, I had to say, okay, voice, this is obviously a person in a completely different place looking for a different type of security. I'm actually not looking for security. What I'm looking for is to find who I am so that when I meet my maker, I'm, 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 a, I'm better for it. And, right. then, and then, again, I, I looked at the whole courage piece, the tunnel, all of that, and it all tied together. I don't even know what question you asked. I'm rambling here. No, I love I, it. I don't know if it means, if that no, meant anything. No, it, it, it does. It does because I think that, you know, your, your old boss asking that question is, is the same thing. You know, when, when I left Duke, it's the same thing. Like, is this the best decision? And I wrestled it with myself. Like, gosh, how, am I being responsible? Am I being ridiculous? Yeah. Am I... And the answer on one way, yeah. But the other way is we, we just don't take enough chances on ourselves. We don't t- just take enough risks on ourselves. Yet, we want our kids, our players, our people to take the risks, but we won't do it ourselves. Yeah. You know, so that goes on to other conversations that we've, we'll, we'll continue to have and everything. But I, I loved it, man. I appreciate you, you coming on. Um, and I have... Two more questions. All right, go All right, shoot away. You got questions. two. I'm counting them. The question is, is that what above everything else in life, whether it could be anything, are you like madly in love with? My children. Children. All right, <laughs> question now. Next question. We'll find a question. I ask and my everybody. Wife. And my wife. And the wife. And my wife and children. <laughs> don't worry. She, she <laughs> um, the, the other last question is when, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this question. I may have, but when they do make... The Andrew Ramirez story, not on Lifetime TV, on full featured film. Yeah. Who's playing Andrew? I am. <laughs> oh, when I die? Well, I mean, am you I, know, there's different stages, right? There's like a young Andrew. There's the, 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 the mid-age Andrew. There's the older Andrew. Are you just going to play all of it? Or are you just going to put makeup on yourself to look younger? And, yeah, I I'm mean, a, your hair looks exactly the same like yeah, an ice so, cream. So I'm a time traveler, and I can play all three roles. <laughs> I play all roles. Perfect. All right. All right. Talk about uh, Just tell. I mean, you left a lot of stuff. By the way, this is the third question, okay? This so, is the third question. No, but you know what? You got good credit with me, so we're good. <laughs> the, the, uh, how, I mean, obviously, you're an author. You've done a lot of different things. I think you've said a lot of things that are resonating with our listeners. How do they reach out to you? How do they find Andrew Ramirez? Well, you can find me best on social media right now. Uh, I, I'm working on some other things, but it's Andrew L. Ramirez. Andrew L. Ramirez. And that, I mean, right now, that's the best place on Facebook is the best okay. place for that. Okay, great. And where can they pick up your book? They can pick up the book on Amazon. Right. Uh, that you can pick up, I think there's five still available right now. Okay, not, five. Not, not, not five copies, but there's five different books. Okay, okay, okay. The One Rise Beyond book is there, and then I have The Adventures of Alex and Andy, which is about my kids. Perfect. That's there, too. Okay. 
Awesome. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you, brother. It's yeah. always good seeing you. Thank you. I appreciate being on here. And, you know, if I can, this is the... the Please. Okay, be contagious, right? Yeah. This is the yeah. be contagious kind. So I, I think that I'm, I'm still a little bit of, of just a, one thing here. What does it mean to be contagious? I mean, it's, it's spreading... Well, for us, it's like spreading love and joy and, and work ethic and energy and okay. that everybody. So I, I, I would bet that the people here today felt love and energy and a connection. I'm hoping. And so the challenge that I pose to everybody, and I, I always like to give people challenges, is take one thing that you learned today and then you go apply it. Apply it in your life. So if you need to make the decision, make the decision. If you need to go into the tunnel to do that, do that. If you need to ask a better question, ask a better question. Then once you do that, you've now lived through it. Now I want you to go teach somebody else. That's how you're contagious, right? Uh You've learned from it. And now you you can spread that and you can be contagious. So do this in the next hour. And if you do that, then you go back and hit up. Uh, hit up Hernando on where's your social channel I'm everywhere and hit him up and let them know what came of it and then we'll see how contagious we actually are well I'm, I'm hoping we are I appreciate you brother okay, man. you are a light you are amazing what you do and you truly are contagious brother thanks thank so much, much. alright thank you All right. yes Andrew Ramirez bringing straight fire to season 2 hopefully you enjoyed that he's challenging you to really gauge how contagious you are to yourself and for other people. Guys, remember, the BCLE does not exist without you. We do all we can to fill your buckets because, trust me, you guys do the same for me. So if you don't mind, please head over to iTunes. Rank us, rate us, give us five stars, give us zero stars. Whatever you feel that we deserve, put it down. But just let people know that you took some time to listen to the BCLE. If you guys want to reach out to us, don't forget we're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Just type in Hernando. You'll be able to reach us and visit us on the website at HernandoPlanels.com. Remember, you are a light. You are full of energy and you are truly contagious for other people. Just keep doing it every day. You and me, we could make it happen. And don't forget, check out season two and the rest of the BCLE. See you next time, everybody. We'll be right back.